Daniel 6, 13 through to 28. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is paying no attention to you or your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was very angry with himself for signing the law, and he tried to find a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty knows that according to the law of Moses and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you worship continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles, so that no one could rescue Daniel from the lions. And then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king hurried out to the lion's den, and when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you worship continually, able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den, and not a scratch was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leapt on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Thank you, Charmaine. By the way, uh, the ladies had a great retreat uh, last weekend, and uh, Charmaine and uh, Melanie Schmaus, sitting beside one another over here, are sisters. And uh, it has come to my attention that Melanie won first over all of the ladies that were running at the, uh, at the, on the marathon. Wow. So, so just thought I would embarrass you this morning a little bit, Mel. It's great. Take it in stride. And uh, I guess you did take it in stride. It's a lot of good strides, fast strides, and uh, wonderful time. Well, uh, this is Pentecost Sunday uh, on the Christian calendar, uh, and we give thanks uh, that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us. He's a wonderful gift to us, and he sent the Holy Spirit so that we 
could uh, have him with us every day. So if you've come to know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, you have the Holy Spirit residing within you. And what he does for you every day is phenomenal. He guides you and he encourages you and he teaches you. And so give thanks today for the Holy Spirit. I'm so glad you sang that song. I don't know if you realized it was Pentecost Sunday or not, but this, that was a beautiful song to sing this morning. The Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Well, uh, last night, some of you were here, many of you were here at the uh, silent auction. Uh, and uh, what, a, what a wonderful evening as we honored the uh, Anwar, Sarah, and uh, Lawand, and as we raised funds for them. Uh, Janine Patatella, I think I see you back there. Could you, could you stand? Let's give her a big hand. Uh, just for putting all of this together. Just phenomenal. With all of her... Her volunteers, she did a great job. I, we've never done this kind of thing before here at uh, Tuolagar Community Church, and so I wasn't quite sure how it would go. Uh, but my number that I came up with in my mind was doubled uh, and a little bit more. Uh, so last night, a conservative number is that $17,000 was raised uh, for the... So thank you. That is just awesome. Just awesome. I think we should stand together and pray. Lord, we uh, thank you that we can meet you on every intersection of life. We do thank you this morning for sending the Holy Spirit to be our comforter and guide and teacher. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. You are welcome. We thank you, Lord Jesus, uh, for the generosity of people, uh, for the way that uh, many needs will be met through the $17,000 that were raised with a lot of fun and a lot of good buzz in the room. Thank you, Lord, for all of that. And we just pray for uh, our Syrian friends, Anwar, Sarah, and Lawand. Lord, we just know that this will be a blessing to them. And uh, some of those plane trips will get paid for now, and some of their daily living needs, uh, they'll all be met. So thank you for your provision, Lord, uh, for them. And I pray now that you'll open the eyes of our hearts just to see what you want us to see. Uh, Lord, it may be unique, a unique nugget for any one of us, uh, we do not know how you speak, but we know that you do, and so we pray that you will. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Some of you, uh, perhaps through the years, uh, uh, have uh, come across the name Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Elliot. Maybe you have even uh, met her uh, at a conference. Perhaps some of our ladies have met her at a conference. Uh, she was married to Jim Elliot the young man who was uh, killed in eastern Ecuador. By the way, uh, yesterday, uh, 11 graduates out of Southwest Baptist Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, graduated, and they are native uh, Ecuadorians, and they're going back to the land, uh, to the country of Ecuador, to proclaim the gospel. They've been trained, they have, a, they have a theological degree, and some of them will be teaching, 
And uh, I was just reading that yesterday, and, and so it was so fitting that uh, to see what has happened in the, in the time following the Elliott's ministry in Ecuador. Jim and Elizabeth were uh, missionaries, and in one of their first attempts to make missionary contact with the Aka Indians, Jim was killed. The year was 1956. Elizabeth went back to the mission field and served two years as a missionary to the tribe members who killed her husband. And after that, she traveled all over the world as a conference speaker. She's now home with the Lord. But what you may not know about Elizabeth is that when she was 17 years old, it was a very tough time in her family home. It was the time of the Great Depression. Her father was dying. And on the day of his funeral, Elizabeth's mom and the seven children trudged through the mud to a simple grave. And a small crowd of uh, women friends came. The men could not or would not uh, afford to take the time off work. And the teenage girl, Elizabeth, who could only find work as a maid, had to borrow a dress for the occasion of her dad's funeral. When the family went home, she carefully folded it smooth and laid it, next, uh, laid it on the bed. And a sense of uh, real uh, desolation seemed to crush her. Uh, for her, it was over. Not just the funeral, but everything was over. Seven kids, no real income, the house so heavily mortgaged, uh, she knew it would not be theirs for long. She was old enough at 17 to know these things and to despair of them. And even the silence of the room seemed to weigh on her and choke uh, the hope out of her. And then she heard it. Breaking the oppressive silence came the tentative whisk, whisk of a broom on the kitchen floor. The sound came again, more determined this time. Whisk, whisk. Her mother, who had not spoken for three days, was reassuming her household duties. The broom went whisk, whisk, and the sound said more than her mother could voice. Life goes on. All is not lost. We've trusted the Lord before, and we will trust Him again. We will press on, and we will live again. Later in her diary, the girl would write, how powerful was the gentle sound of her mother taking up that simple household task in kindling new hope and faith in the child's heart. The whisk, whisk of the broom was enough for Elizabeth Elliot. She rose from her bed, ready to take up her own tasks and resume her life with new courage and hope. Many difficulties would still lie ahead. She would face more tragedy later in life, but she would always remember the faith song of her mother's broom. It stirred hope and courage and the ability to go on. This is precisely the story of Daniel. He stirs hope and courage in us to persevere. Always you hear the whisk, whisk of his broom as he navigates his life in a foreign country under the leadership of the various kings, starting with King Nebuchadnezzar. As we conclude our, our series today, we're in the second half of Daniel chapter 6. I hope you'll follow with me in your Bibles. 
the first half of the chapter uh, opened uh, up to us three captivating qualities of Daniel. And we, we worked on this last week. First is attitude. I can't say it enough. The attractiveness of an excellent spirit. I mean, you pick out people like that a mile away. They bring the joy to a place of work, to a, to a family, an attitude, an excellent attitude. And then there was the trustworthiness of Daniel, a, a great attitude, but also very capable, too capable, too capable. In fact, his colleagues hated him because he, he was just too good, and they desired to throw him under the bus. So they rummaged through his desk, checked his files, consulted with other government people, looked at his expense reports, and no dirt. They couldn't find any dirt on, on this guy. How do you throw the guy under the bus when he's so squeaky clean? He was trustworthy in every respect. And the third distinguishing mark of his excellent life was the quality of courage. He was a very courageous servant. So Daniel's wonderful colleagues, the administrators and high officers, went to the king and they tricked him. They said, give orders that over the next 30 days, everyone has to pray to you. Isn't that a good deal? We as senior leaders all agree and think it's a wonderful idea. In fact, you could make a law to that, to that effect. <clears throat> and poor Darius <clears throat> had his ego stroked a little bit. Sure felt good that everybody wanted to, his leaders wanted to elevate him to number one spot. It was like an affirmation of, of, of what he was doing. You're number one, Darius. You're number one. Well, he signed the law. But he never gave it a moment's thought of the implications that this would have for Daniel. Now, I just want us to stop here for a moment and help us get into the feet of uh, Daniel's shoes. Uh, get our feet into his shoes. I look, I look at Daniel with great admiration and respect, rightly so. But don't you think he had to wonder from his vantage point about his whole life, about where his life was really going and what really had happened in his life to make his life significant? Do you ever wonder about your life? Do you ever ask the question, what difference does my life really make anyway? I'm trying to read these days through the genealogy of uh, my family background, the McDonald side. My cousin, who just loves this kind of thing and research and has traveled all over the place to, to find our, our heritage, said she would send me this document. And so she did. And I thought maybe there's a few graphs and uh, maybe a picture or two. And wow, I thought maybe a few pages. That thing looks like it's 100 or 200 pages long. And most of it, as I looked at it, kind of glancing at it, it looks rather boring. But then you read a little further and you get a comment about uh, the pers this person who lived uh, 120 years ago. And then there's some very cryptic comments about that person, their personality, how they respond uh, to things, and, and, and kind of uh, their real feelings. 
and how don't back them into the corner or they'll come out swinging and those kind of comments and, uh, and how they struggled in their relationships and how they went through hardships and then it kind of got, ah, oh, this is earthy, this is, this is interesting. And then there's Daniel. There's Daniel. But will you observe from 20,000 feet that Daniel serves in this foreign country for most of a century? He's well up in his 80s now. And honestly, what did he have to show for it? Can we ask that question? I'm, I'm sure Daniel did. What do I have to show for it? Was the Babylonian or the Persian Empire more God-fearing than ever before? We don't really read that. The account says that all of the officials of the king turned against Daniel. And King Darius was willing to endorse their idolatry of himself. I mean, they were playing Darius, to be sure. But we have no record of spiritual awakening during Daniel's lifetime. Uh, Babylon wasn't changed. I mean, true, some of the kings listened to him. They, they had a little speech at the end of uh, some miraculous thing that happened. But when they really needed to go on and press on and take their country with them, they didn't do it. And Daniel offered a lifetime of honest, hard work, faithful administration, godly counsel and government service. But what was his reward? Here he is and he's in his 80s. And what has he got? I mean, he's an old man. He's facing the jealousy of peers. He's facing the idolatrous arrogance of a king. And now he's facing a death sentence in a lion's den. Uh, it may be that you are reflecting on your life these days. And you are asking the question, because I think we all do, what do I have for my years of living? What do I have for my years of living? And if you look from a negative viewpoint, you might say, I don't know. I don't know what I would put up there as important. I don't know what I have. And maybe Daniel said the same thing. But underneath there was so much more. I'm uh, doing some online mentoring um, with a group of 25 pastors all the way from Vancouver over to New Brunswick. And we're online every, uh, every week for an hour getting to know people, pastors all across the country uh, and being mentored by uh, a, a gentleman that uh, has had a lot of experience in ministry and uh, he said last week I had such a hard day on Tuesday terrible day discouraging day discouraging got up in the morning and just nothing went right right till I went to bed at night and he said I said to my wife what a horrible day this was and you know what the comment did to 25 pastors across the nation it encouraged everyone sounds weird doesn't it he had a hard time I wouldn't think he would have a hard time I don't know why I felt this yes he had a difficult day 
Now, it wasn't about him having a difficult day, I, not that I wanted him to have a difficult day. It was just the realization that all of us, even people we look up to and say, well, I bet they don't have tough days, they have discouraging stuff too. They've got pain in their lives. They've got conflict in their life. They've got tragedy in their lives. They've got sorrow in their lives. But then on Wednesday, he's back on his feet again. He's persevering. So I appreciated his transparency. And I'm reminded of Elizabeth Elliot's mother. She had many hard days, but she got up with the whisk, whisk, whisk of the broom. And the whisk encouraged her daughter. And she got up and resumed her life. Will you be faithful even if you have hard days? Will you be faithful even if you have a hard life? A life filled with great challenge? Will you persevere? Will you still keep on? Daniel was pretty amazing, I would say. He trusted the Lord and he served so incredibly well. But the only fruit of his faith is jealousy, accusation, and now the years have gone by, so he's too old to go back to his homeland. He can't walk back there, not at his age. A lifetime away from his homeland, from his people. Really? Daniel, your whole life spent in another foreign country. Leonardo da Vinci, Leonardo da Vinci asked on his deathbed, Did I do anything? And you say, Leonardo da Vinci, you ask that question? But despite the designs and the creations of this man during the time of the Renaissance, very little impact actually resulted from his efforts during his lifetime. But it came later. It came later. Despite all that Daniel had to go through, God allowed the aged Daniel to face yet another threat to his life and his faith. I just have to comment, how can I say to you, all your problems will be solved? All of your health issues will be dealt with. Prosperity is on the way when you trust in God. <laughs> what about Daniel? No, it doesn't always happen that way. But just so you know, on Pentecost Sunday, the Holy Spirit will always be with you. No matter where you're at in the journey. Yes, King Darius, he fell for it. This sinister plot of Daniel's colleagues. Daniel got the picture. He was being set up, verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed... He went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. I don't know if you caught that. As usual. He, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. Great words. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done. Of course, this was a setup from day one. Daniel's wonderful friends were watching him, reported him to the king. But watch the approach. They don't disclose Daniel's name right away. Sneaky. 
Did you not sign a, a, a law, king, that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone divine or human except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Now here comes the slam dunk. Okay, okay, listen. Uh, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, that's a put down, is ignoring you and your law. You should get angry about that. He still prays to his God three times a day. What do you say about that, Darius? Oh, no. Now he gets it. Trapped. <laughs> Absolutely trapped. He fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. You'll want to notice this. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. And he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. I like that about Darius. I like his heart. His ego caused his, his, him to miss the setup. But he really feels awful about this. He was deeply troubled. And he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. And in the evening, the men, the accusers, put the screws to the king. You know that according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. You know that, right? Hmm. What difference does my life make? Daniel, are you asking the question? You have to, have to see that Daniel and the king had become friends. Now, that's making a difference. The king had been quite accepting that Daniel worshipped the God of heaven. That didn't seem to bother him. Talk about opening windows. I think Daniel opened a window into his own life so the king could see. I think Daniel had been praying for the king all along, and the king knew there was something quite remarkable about Daniel's faith. Can I just say this to you as a thought? Open a window on your life to others. We grew up not being transparent. It was just kind of the day. Just You don't disclose what's going on in your heart. Sometimes to our detriment. It would be so much easier to say it and let people have a little look into your window, into your life, and see what's happening. Let them see who makes the difference in your life. Do it well. Do it carefully. Answer your critics well. Don't burn the bridges. Daniel said, no, I don't talk to anybody but my, my Jewish colleagues. No, no. He opened his life. He led with great gratitude. He led with a trustworthy spirit. He led with courage and wisdom. Friends, I don't need to say it this morning, but our lives are always on display. There's always some window that people are looking at and saying, oh, in the routine of your life, in your home, you forget you're being observed. Maybe in your extended family where some have not embraced the love of Christ, you forget that your attitudes, 
your responses are, are noted quite carefully. And in the marketplace, you think I've been here for a long time. My colleagues don't even notice my attitude and my work ethic and my integrity and my responses. You would be surprised. You'd be surprised. Well, quickly Daniel was lowered down into the underground dungeon where the lions were kept. A huge stone was placed over the opening. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal so that no one could rescue Daniel. Probably the hardest thing that Darius ever did in his whole life was to do that. Did you hear the howl of protest from Daniel? <laughs> did you hear the foul language at the king as they stuffed him down the hole? Did you see the gestures of Daniel as they dragged him and stuffed him? No, you didn't. He, you didn't hear it. You didn't see it. He didn't leave claw marks all over the king or on the walls of the dungeon. I read the story of the local farmer who felt like he'd been ripped off many times by a certain car dealer in town. And the car dealer, you know, you know when you buy a car, uh, they add on so many extra things to the cost of the car. And... Uh, the price changes according to the model of the car. You get a basic car and then you get a certain model and if you want aluminum wheels you're going to pay a little bit more and if you want a bigger motor you pay a little bit more and if you want more technology you pay a little bit more. You just start with the basic price and it builds from there. Well one day the, the car dealer informed the farmer that he was coming around to buy a cow. And the uh, farmer thought, ah, a chance to bring this thing around full circle. He said, here's my chance to even things up a little bit. And he said to the car dealer, by all means, you can, you can buy a car. You can buy a cow. But you need to know, the basic cow is $500. And if you want this one with two-tone exterior, it's another $45. Want an extra stomach? That's 75 bucks. You want a milk storage compartment? 60 bucks. Four spigots at $30 each? That's $120. You've got to take them all. Genuine cowhide upholstery? You can add $125 for that. Dual horns? $15. Automatic fly swatter? $38. Total $1,203. Boy, that felt great! Two can play this game. Now it's my turn. I just keep thinking that Daniel, he understood everything that was happening uh, to him and, and he saw the bigger picture. Daniel was a big picture thinker that came through prayer. What was God doing? Incredible pressure if you're only thinking of your own situation. Hudson Taylor once said, it doesn't matter how great the pressure is. What really matters is where the pressure lies. Whether it comes between you and God or whether it presses you nearer his heart, his heart. The king goes back to his palace. He spent the night fasting. Imagine. He refused his usual entertainment. I'm not even asking what that means. And he couldn't sleep. He was a mess. 
He was grieving. By the way, don't be impatient with those who go through grief. And it takes a long time to be able to hear the whisk, 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 whisk of the broom to move forward. It takes time. It takes support. It takes encouragement. It takes walking alongside of those who are going through grief. Verse 19, at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. You know what that verse makes me think of? Makes me think of Mark 16. Makes me think of uh, the first verse in uh, Matthew 28. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, the women were on their way to the tomb. Remember the tomb of our Lord had been sealed? But yet when God wants to do something... Nobody can stop him. No one can hold back the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And no one could hold back the marvelous deliverance of Daniel. Daniel was safe in the lion's den. Crazy. It's crazy. Those big old lions just snuggled in with him for the night. I can imagine Daniel using one of those little cubs as a pillow. And they all slept soundly in perfect peace and tranquility. And David was, Daniel was safe in the lion's den. Friends, if you walk with God, if your heart resonates with his heart, regardless of where you are, you're okay. I mean, it's true, not everyone gets delivered. I totally get that. Daniel didn't know which way this thing would, was going to go. He didn't. But he wasn't in the den alone. And you're not in your situation alone either. Early in the morning, the king hurried to the lion's den. He ran. It was undignified for a king to run. You didn't see a king running. But this man was running. He was anxious to know what happened to Daniel. Daniel, are you there? Are you, there? you still there, Daniel? Can you talk? Has, has God rescued you? The greatest words that must have come to Darius was these words, Daniel spoke. The next words, Daniel spoke. Sometimes the situation is so desperate that you just long to hear your loved one's voice. It's so relieving. We've watched a football game or a hockey game and someone is badly injured. They bring the stretcher out onto the field. And everybody in the audience and the crowd holds their breath like, how serious is this? And then the camera zooms in and you see a leg move or see an arm move or see his lips move a little bit. And wow, suddenly there's a relief that goes through the stadium. Mr. King, all is well. God sent an angel. He shut the mouths of the lions. I'm doing great in here. Check out Daniel. Not even one wound was found on him. He was fine physically. Someone has said a servant of God is immortal until his or her work has been completed. But check out his spirit. He's fine in his spirit too. You don't hear him saying, now it's my turn. I'm going to get those guys who put me in here. They're going to pay. 
Isn't it amazing that you can experience the peace of God? The, the personal well-being of the Holy Spirit, even when you've been wronged? That's only God. Some of you here this morning are perhaps waiting, waiting through the deepest mire of your life. And you're right on the border of bitterness. You're right on the border of revenge. You're right on the border of contemplating cutting that person off forever. Most natural feeling in the world. It comes easy for all of us to say, we're done. Sorry. It's over. But be careful with all of that. That's God's territory. Keep your heart well guarded. We don't have to fight those wars because they're wars that will destroy us more than they destroy anybody else. Darius settles the score. Watch his reaction. Over the top. Whole families were sent to the lion's den. Totally different than Daniel. And Darius issues a decree. Then King Darius uh, sent the, the message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. So the last verse says, So Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. You know, most of us uh, spend our lives doing. We get an education. We raise a family. We establish a career. Uh, this congregation has, has people from all walks of life. Many different cultural contexts and education. Some have excelled in educational pursuits. Some have excelled in the technical world. A guy over at Southwest said to me on Sunday, you won't see me for a couple of weeks. And I said, oh, you're going to be away? And he said, yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm going to be in Italy. Uh, I'm going to present a paper uh, on bioethics. What? You are going way over there. He said, it's just half an hour. <laughs> That's all he gets to speak. He must have something very important to say. And he's among us. Like, I had no idea. I had no idea. So we accumulate a little here and a little there, and we try to take care of, a, of an unpredictable future. We, we work hard to be safe and secure. We prepare ourselves to stay out of the lion's den. And all along there are forces acting us upon us that are beyond us, which determine life for us. That's why we can never be saved by, by works. That we can put this together in such a way that our life is in control. Never. We can't actually protect ourselves from everything that happens. We must be saved by grace. Grace is the unmerited, unconditional, unending love of God. Grace is pardon for sin and peace for tomorrow. Grace means you don't have to get it all right in order for it to be all right. Grace means you don't have to have all the answers in order to live the questions. 
Grace means it can be all right even when it's not all right. So let me just be clear. Grace is not magic. Grace does not whisk us off into some fantasy land or Disney world. Grace does not cure all of our cancers, turn all of our kids into model children, nor guarantee a life of happiness and success. In fact, grace most often shows up when we're really weak, we're really tired, we feel really weary. And we wonder, has our life really counted for anything? There in the depths of our weariness, grace comes to remind us that even when we're weak, God is strong. Anyone need to hear that again this morning? Even when we're weak, God is strong. So when you take a little piece of bread this morning, and when you take that little cup, maybe you could just say it over and over again in your heart, the word grace. Just say it. Grace, grace, grace. This is grace. This is grace. And after you've said the word grace, maybe you could say the word thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your grace. This is the grace of God symbolized in this supper, this Lord's Supper, Eucharist, communion, whatever term you're most familiar with. And what kept Daniel through his whole life was God's abiding presence and his love and his peace, and he experienced the fullness of God's presence. The Lord's Supper is a personal reminder of the presence of God. I love that song this morning we sang in his presence, Lord. Jesus died on the cross to allow us the privilege of coming into the very presence of God. We come through Jesus Christ alone, so just use this as an opportunity to declare your gratefulness and your continued journey with him. The bread reminds us of brokenness, the body of Jesus broken for you. The cup reminds us of the blood that flowed from his body, Blood that was saving, blood that was restoring and healing because Jesus was giving his life blood to pay for our sins. So just say thank you this morning. That blesses the heart of Christ. Just say thank you for that awesome grace. And if you're journeying by faith with Jesus, come take the bread, come take the cup and say thank you. And if you're on a journey that, but you haven't yet crossed a line of faith, just be comfortable to allow the bread and the cup to pass by. That's just fine. That's just fine. But may it be a time of reflecting on what Jesus Christ did for you and on grace and just come in your heart to say, thank you, it's personal for me. So I'm going to invite the servers to come forward. Uh, and I'm going to invite someone to come and pray. I'm not sure. I think it's uh, Kyer is going to come and pray. And may we be blessed as we gather around this table this morning.